friends. Welcome back to the Heart and Hustle podcast. I'm Angelica Yard. And I am Charisma O'Keefe, and we are here every week talking to you about entrepreneurship, business, balance, wellness, life, and everything in between. Every Thursday. Um, (laughs) Sometimes it's Sometimes it's a Monday. It's always Thursday, but we're in a pandemic, so please have grace. Yes. Um, that's like everyone that writes to me and emails me and they're like, I'm so sorry. I didn't get, I was like, don't apologize. Don't apologize. We are in a pandemic. Like you can get things to me when you get things to me. I'm just, I'm impressed that you're getting anything anywhere always. So don't, don't apologize for something being late right now. It's fine. (laughs) Like it's just me. I'm fine. Okay. Like that's always since I've read that maybe two yeah. years ago, which somebody hated it. Somebody did a whole Twitter thread about how they hated that phrase a couple of weeks ago. But I know it's changing my mind. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to, unless it's my, like, I'm really, like, just belligerently screwing around, which I would never do. Like, I can't relate to that. But if something, for some reason, yeah. I decided to be that way, then I would apologize. If something's super late, like a week late, I would apologize. But if something's an hour late, two hours late, I'm never going to apologize for that because it's some circumstance that's out of my control. I'm not going to explain it to you. Like, I just, I don't owe you that explanation unless it's for something that is a billion dollars. Like, if I don't show up to give you the button that can give you a million dollars, that's my fault. Like, but passing you a social medicine for a holiday that's like three weeks from now, I'm not going to apologize. I'm so so sorry. Like, no, we're human. Right. There's been like a lot of talk, you know, about um, just how we're like still expected to kind of work on the same level, even though it's a pandemic. And I am interested to know like how other countries are handling that because, you know, we're normally the worst when it comes to like work, work life balance in our country. So I do wonder like how some other countries are, you know, handling that sort of thing. And if there's a little bit more grace when it comes to everything that's been going on this year, I know some countries have mm-hmm. stayed in lockdown for well, you know, a certain amount of time. Of so in those cases, only actual essential yeah. workers would be working. Like I'm assuming, I don't know. Um, maybe we can get someone on the podcast that's from a completely different country, like not the UK, because I think that they're kind of, I know that they're in a lockdown, but I also know that they're still like a lot of working and, and they're still, a lot of them are still being like, it's still demanding over there as well in the job markets. So, um, yeah, I would like somebody from, I don't know, like Spain yeah, or and like one of the Italy other, or you know, somewhere the just, like you South know, America, maybe like, give us an idea of someone who's like in Asia, maybe, or Africa. Yeah. Uh, one a country that's one of those continents that's not yeah. really, you know, Eurocentric because I think that's the, the issue with Europe is that a lot of it is kind of, you know, and Europe is very broad. Obviously, it's very different from like Finland. It does not have the same requirements as Spain. But I think our audience, it, it would be good to hear about culturally what countries like Nigeria or Uganda or Ghana but, yeah, or South how Africa are doing are versus here. I just feel like I that they're doing already like way better just because I see people from like I follow a lot of people who live in Africa all over Africa on Twitter and in general they just seem well, like they're doing are, a the lot better low, right now cases are very low despite what if yeah. I think someone tweeted a graph from the beginning of quarantine last year about like which countries are going to do the poorest based on the who standards dealing with the pandemic 
And guess who was number one at doing the best? And guess who's kind of doing the worst? So, you know, it, it totally was wrong. Like, you can't make those kind of assumptions, which is one of the things about the pandemic. I think most people are trying to make it uh, predictable. Like, they're trying to make symptoms predictable. They're trying to make the economy predictable. Mm-hmm. They're trying to make production predictable or emotional response or school. Like, they're trying to make everything so predictable so that it can be quote unquote normal and I think the more people step back and say we don't understand this because we've never dealt with this as a generation like there's no there's one maybe a a handful of people alive who were in the same the last pandemic they were babies there are no adults living now who dealt with the last 1920 Spanish flu there was no people who were alive then so that were adults so we are dealing with something that we have very little documentation on in terms of like the response after, because it wasn't really talked about a lot in terms of people's emotional response. We have a globalization in a different way that they didn't have. So it's it's just unprecedented. I hate that word, but it is. And people are trying to fit things in that it is, box. Yeah. And we just need to take a step back and say, we will never understand how this works. And we just need to let it ride. Like nobody has, I don't know three people who have had COVID who have had the same exact experience. And I think that should that you don't no one has had yeah, want to assume so that someone's going to get something and have the same response because you never know how your body is going to respond to this thing and it keeps evolving and now it's very different than it was a year ago because there's so many variations and it does different things than it did a year ago so it's like I just I'm not going to tell someone that they should feel comfortable doing something that they can get this thing like I, I would never do that so I don't I don't know how people do that but like that's what well it's interesting to me because I have a friend that was living in Shanghai like at the beginning of all this and um you know they were immediately taking like precautions that I still haven't yeah. seen some areas of the United States take um and then also I remember like they're like I remember hearing about it a little bit like in, you know, December and January, but like, again, nothing here was like happening as far as, you know, prep or anything. And I feel like I've seen again, like again, small percentages from these areas, but people that I know that live in Asia and people that I know that live in Africa, I have not seen people traveling, especially up until the last minute they could travel the way that I have with like people in the United States. And like right now, people in the United States who are getting vaccinated, like so many of them yeah, are like, like, what countries am I allowed into right now? And they're already trying to go places. And I'm just like, well, this explains a lot of why, you know, obviously like why there's been more issues in the United States. And I think, uh, you know, like Western Europe because of the the travel back and forth. And there's so many people that are like, wanting to get into Western Europe right now who are from the United States. And I think that one thing that a lot of people are not paying attention to is not only, you know, obviously like it's different from state to state to get your vaccine and it's also different from country to country. So just because there might be a surplus of vaccines in your area doesn't mean that people in other countries have even had any access or it might have been extremely limited access. And I mean, really, like, we should be paying attention to that because from state to state, it is vastly county different. County to county, um, state to like, state. I'm like, I feel like town to town, county to county. county. Yeah. So, yeah, where I live in Fairfax, my county is doing a different thing 
than the rest of the state of Virginia because we're like right next to DC. So I guess they were just like, we're going to do something different. And then DC proper, if you live in the actual district, they yeah, do Maryland's something different. And then the DC side of Maryland is doing a different thing. Um, my family in New York has a completely different system. And then the way that it's being done in various parts of Florida, like Florida has an overall system, but some areas like Orlando and Tampa, where they have FEMA sites, they actually, it's easier to get vaccinated yeah, there like than Southwest some of the areas where Florida there's less people. So, yeah, John's mom is in Fort Myers and she is 70 and she just got an appointment for this week because they like, she's been signed up the entire time and she checks multiple times a week. But, you know, even though she's in that high risk group, couldn't get an appointment. Whereas I have friends that are in Orlando because again, FEMA's been there, so they've had more access and been able to already get their first shot. So it's it's just varies a lot. So I just hope that people really take to heart that like there's a lot of people out there that are still vulnerable. Again, my friend who has lupus just got her first shot yesterday. I got my shot before her. I am high risk as well, but she is way more high risk than I am. Um, so there's not, we're in different states. She's in Tennessee. She's in Nashville. So there's really like the rhyme or reason in the United States is not here when it comes to, you know, giving out the vaccine from state to state. So please just keep that in mind when you're traveling from state to state, from city to city. And definitely if you're going to leave the country, like, I don't think this is the time to leave the country. That's just my, per unless you're relocating, I don't think you need to go anywhere, but that's just my opinion. I think like stay in the United States and just be careful until everyone actually gets a chance to get vaccinated. So I mean, that was not even a topic for today, but like, talk about it a little bit because it, it, we do have a different perspective than we did. I'm sure if we listened to this show from a year ago when we first were quote unquote locked, like to us, not, not a lot physically changed for us because we, we work from home, but we had, you know, our experience and our thoughts obviously have changed we learn more and we know more mm -hmm. and we understand a little bit more about the world and, and there's been a little bit more transparency about how this thing is gone even though there's a lot that's still not transparent because the government does what it wants um so yeah, yeah. I, just, I want people to still okay it's funny because we had a guest that was like worried about like being too negative and i was like Girl, I we started out almost every episode with being like, oh my god, <laughs> like horrible, and then she was like, yeah, you have started a lot of episodes like that, and I'm like, yeah, because we're keeping it real, like, you know, we don't, we haven't known what's going on for this past year. It's been messy and it's been, you know, scary at times. And when we come on here, we yep. just we we're straight up with that. We didn't go to medical school. It's <laughs> been a lot. Our experiences as two people who. Uh, at one point, Charisma did also live here in probably one of the worst states in the, the union. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, that the way Florida experienced the pandemic and the way Texas experienced it is very different than a lot of other states because, you know, our governors really do things. Yeah, it's been very different to see it in different areas. Like, that's been a experience to, you know, drive from Orlando, like somebody asked me the other day, no. are you flying back no. to Florida when you go back? Uh, no, <laughs> I'm not going to be flying like for so long, but yeah, seeing it here and seeing it there has been very different. And it's, you know, one of the big things for us has been seeing it in the school system <clears throat> because obviously John's a teacher and it breaks my heart because, you know, up here, they've just been really taken care of both students and teachers in a way that they haven't been in Florida in public schools. And that's just been 
really hard to see and to know that so many people like John and I met working in the school system. So, so many people that we've worked with, so many friends we've had have been at risk since August on the daily basis and have had no choice in the matter. Um, and he's been like very protected and treated very well. Um, and like in Florida, like teachers have had to buy their own PPE and things like that. Whereas like, that's not the case up here. So it's just been like a very different experience. Obviously we're so thankful like we've been really, really lucky that we were able to just like pick up and go and go to this better situation for him. But it just breaks my heart to know that so many people in various states have not just been able to be taken care of. Like, like that's what our government should be doing at a time like this is making sure that people have what they need. And that's just not been the case uh, across the board. It's just definitely been one of those situations where you feel like you live in two different countries, depending yep. on which part of the United Pretty States much. you're in. I mean, we had a really fun federal government situation for the, big, the most part of the pandemic. So that's also a lot to do with how things have been rolled out here and how we lost so many people. So I think it's okay if you are at, your breaking point, like I get, because a year is a long time to ask people to, to do all this stuff. Like it really is a lot to ask people to do. It's a lot to wear a mask. It's a lot to, you know, not hug people. It's a lot to, to wait for a vaccine now and see all your other, you know, it's a, it's a, we're asking a lot of a lot of people. So I get the varied responses and kind of people being in their breaking point and no money. Like a lot of people just don't have money. Like there's no jobs and there's no, no relief or the relief comes late yep. like months late like people were waiting on money in january it's just march 17th and people are just getting that you know joe biden stimulus plan like that's three months that you can you imagine you know what i mean like and it's 1400 like not to be a jerk about it it's, it's great but it's not a ton of money for it so it's um, not yeah like it's, it's nice. not it, you know, thank you. that's you're in that bucket, which is also very limiting. Not even get in that, but it is, we're just asking a lot of people right now. And I'm, I'm asking, uh, you know, if you listen, you've been listening since you, if you found us during the pandemic, you understand our journey. If you've been a long-term listener, I just want you to continue to have grace for other people. Cause it's just a year is a long time. <laughs> Six months, three months was a long time. Uh -huh. Six months was a very long time. Nine months was ridiculous. And like, we're getting on the 12th to the 15th to the 18th and an 18 month track still, you know, it's, it's looking like an 18 month situation. It's a lot to ask people to, to do what we're all trying to do to be our best person. So it's okay to slip up and then feel bad about, or have a day where you just lay in bed and you're like, nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I've had a lot of those days. Just watching Disney Plus all day. And you in bed, like okay, and <laughs> what about it? What about it? Yeah, doctors will come get me at a certain point and be like, Walk "All around. right, mom, Walk you've been there. in bed like Take for a while." Yeah, oh, I mean, to, to switch gears, we have some listener questions, so we're gonna go through that before we get to our topic. So I love this question because um, this is like one of my favorite ways to work. What are your best tips for batch working? Um, so for me, like I have, you know, Kisma and Charisma, the candles. I have the podcast, obviously. I have my nonprofit. I technically have my blog, even though <laughs> that hasn't. That hasn't been super active lately, but I would like it to be. But for me, like it really helps to batch work. I know some people will be like, okay, I'm going to do all emails or I'm going to do all long writing, long form writing, or I'm going to do all edits or whatever. But for me, it helps to also batch by 
like uh what i call them like my dip separate business and stuff i just call them projects i don't know why but like so if it's a heart and hustle day like to do all heart and hustle stuff if it's you know a love doesn't hurt day to do all love doesn't hurt stuff because i feel like when you're if i'm like oh i'm gonna write outlines today i feel like i might get to that fourth outline and then be like oh did i confirm this guess and then i gotta go do that you know what i mean so it's like i feel like those things all kind of like play in together so for me um that's the way that i do it and i normally try to have a two to three hour chunk of time for a certain task that i'm doing because after like about three hours, depending on what it is, I might be like a little over it. Some things I just like, I want to do all day. Right. Um, and so in those cases, the three hours is to limit myself so that I don't just do only that because <laughs> that, that can happen as well. But yeah, three hours, it's like, if it's a task that it's not like your favorite, that's normally like a good max. So I'll, I'll set a three hour time limit. I'll make sure that after an hour and a half, I have like a good 10, 15 minute break and then, and then get back into it. So that's normally the way that I batch work. And then I also don't like, it's weird. I prefer to batch work in the afternoon. I don't know Maybe what that's I'm about. I'm not doing anything from two to 4 PM. <laughs> you were, shout out to you. Dude, I'm like, yeah, that, so I know that's really strange. But I think it's because I like after lunch, like I've had that, you know, big break. And especially this year, cause John has had yeah, an I'm entire like, like hour for lunch. <laughs> and so yeah. So like, I really started to take that time when, before, when he didn't work from home, I used to just work through lunch. So by that time I was definitely exhausted, but with him home, like, you know, he has a whole hour. He makes fr like fresh, delicious food for lunch. So I'm like, okay, like let's put this laptop away and like enjoy this meal and everything. So after that, it's like, I just feel really refreshed. I'm fully awake. You know what I mean? And, and I feel like I've gotten a lot of like the you've got to do it now tasks out of the way. Um, so I really can just kind of like plug in for the rest of the day and like focus on that. So probably like one, two, three, or four is like that sweet spot for that sort of work for me. But it definitely like changes from person to person. So I think it's just like that, you know, for some people it's yeah, like nighttime. I mean, I it think, just really depends. Um, I don't have a ton of very predictable work uh, anymore outside of the podcast and, and some of the stuff for Studio 4 for people because a lot of the uh, client work even ongoing work it, it depends on what it is so templatizing everything obviously ahead of time when you start a project that you know that's going to be repetitive and ongoing is the easiest way to batch your things is having set templates for how you want this to go so that way you're not spending a lot of time and you can templatize emails you can templatize graphics you can templatize videos you can have a template for your videos you can templatize like everything can be done in a template, like I understand that it's cool to create unique things and be very unique and try to stand out amongst markets that are very saturated. However, that is a really fun way to get to burnout really quickly if you're doing a long-term project. So that's kind of why if you have never done the 100-day project, that's kind of one of the things that they force you to do is kind of get into a habit of doing something really quickly in a really short time period so that you don't burn out. And so that way you can get accustomed to working to just get it done versus working to make it perfect and create the Mona Lisa every time. That's not how it works when you have, uh, you know, things that are ongoing projects like this podcast wouldn't exist if we created a brand new cover for every episode or brand new social media that look completely different con conceptually. That it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't do it. If we did different music for every intro, it wouldn't happen. Like, it's just not gonna. We sat down and recorded, like, we had instruments for some reason and recorded an inch, you know, like a, a song for every <laughs> intro. 
We'd be like, episode five, this is great. This is get out of podcasting. So I think having templates ahead of time help you really be able to bash your work. So when you do get in that moment when you can just do dull things like editing, you have your presets, that type of stuff. You can just get into it, sit down, put on something mind-numbing, music, podcast, whatever, and just go through it and go through the motions and set a, a like Chris said, a short period of time where you can get it done. If you have a problem with constraining yourself, like just say, hey, two hours, that's all I got for this. I'm giving two hours towards editing photos today, or I'm giving two hours towards copy editing today. Like if you do four or five PR pieces as a copywriter or a copy editor, just open up your Word document or whatever you're using and go through that in that time. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the, the easiest way to do it because it, it's so much to conceptualize as a creative anyway, because everyone has their own different thing. Like as a financial person, you have different spreadsheets you have to use. If you do invoicing, you can you do the same system. But I think as a creative, there is always that temptation to create something new and get out of, you know, be out, you know, create something nice. And you're like, I if I did this every day, we would never get anything done. And so I definitely think creating a system ahead of time helps you batch work. So that way you're not stuck in the motions of what to do next. Even when packing orders, you have a system in place. You know what you got to do. So you just go through that yes. motion of like, like you know, there's a card, envelope, silophane, uh, you know, whatever, do the twine, letter. Like you already know what you're doing. And I know what I'm doing, even though I haven't done do orders every day. But when I do them, I don't have to think about what I need to do next. I just have my supplies and go. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that definitely is how. I, I just typically write systems down or have do them enough so you know them. I still recommend writing them down because if your husband or your spouse has to do it, partner, someone you live with, your friend needs to come in and do something for you, they can easily get your standard operating procedures and send your orders. Like if you needed John to send candles for you, he knows he'd seen you do it enough, pack candles, that he could do it. Like he wouldn't, he may have need to ask you like, Exactly. Oh, so yeah, he can do it. He's done it actually. Like he's he forced me. He can explain this. Yeah, he does the whole. He can do it. He could be if he's better than you. Like you're mm-hmm. not doing well, but he you both aren't. Or he's like you know out of the country or something. Somebody calls and he picks up the phone. He can explain how I can help you guys pack orders. Yep. Like he understands that. So I think that's a lot of the with batch working, so to speak. Yeah. It's just making sure you have your process down to a kind of a T to to move quickly. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, yeah, again, systems. <laughs> it all goes back to systems all the time. So second question is, how do I become an influencer? So I feel like we could do an entire <laughs> podcast about this, and maybe we will later, um, and have somebody on, like interview somebody yeah, who like uh, has rose up like as an influencer. But so City Wit would be the person I would call or message or hire yeah, about influencing right now if you wanted somebody. <laughs> But basically, you know, I would say, first of all, like with anything, um, figure out your why, like what, like what, you know, I think that the word influencer gets thrown around a lot and we forget like the influence part of it. And it's like, what do you want to influence? Why do you want to influence? Where, what do you want your influence to mean? What do you want, you know, what change do you want to create? Where do you want to guide people? Like, what is your why? So that would be my first thing is like figuring that out. Uh, but once you know the core of that, then that's going to lead to you understanding what your brand is um, and then communicate that brand to your followers um, and then take on projects that, you know, that share and and continue the work of that said brand. I think one of the biggest mistakes that influencers make is just taking on any and everything. And I think that that's the difference between like an influencer that kind of like 
their star burns out quick and they don't have that longevity versus someone who's been in the game for a million years, because you're really going to lose that trust of your base. If you're just taking on any and everything from everyone, if like people can tell like, okay, yeah, this has to do with her brand. This resonates. Like this looks really great. Like this, you know, I use this product and she was right. It was wonderful. But if you're just taking everything and just sharing everything just because you want the money, that's not necessarily going to work. And of course, like you got to eat, but at the same time, that's why I always advise people, whether you're becoming an influencer, starting a business, whatever, I advise you to keep your regular job before you transition fully because entrepreneurship is very hard. And that's a lot of times what being an influencer is nowadays is, is entrepreneurship. So it's very hard and it's not always easy knowing not knowing where your next paycheck is going to come from or not knowing how much money you're going to make. So to avoid being in that situation of just taking on everything, I would, you know, give it some time, cultivate that brand, cultivate those relationships with different brands and different partners and different businesses so that you're taking consistent work that is within the realm of what makes sense for your actual brand. Yeah. I mean, agreed. I don't think I can say anything better or like have a monthly revenue goal in mind when you're ready to quit your job but you know you need to make that amount um and also like minus 40 percent for taxes just like just be sure or add 40 percent you know on top of that so you know you're making the amount that you need to make to to get that done i don't i don't know if i have i'm not interested in influencing anyone <laughs> other than like okay radical positivity and being a, a nice human being i think that's all i I want every because you're an influencer, regardless or not if it's your title. Like everyone who has a platform, if you have an account, you got a platform. Yep. If you have a job, you have a platform. You're Very working. True. Like you, you as a person are your own brand. So it, you know, influencing your friends or your family. If you have kids, uh, you know, whatever you do, you have some kind of way of influence. Is that maybe your official job title? But I think I my advice would be to be wise about what it is that you put out into the world. So whether it is a platform where you're trying to gain followers and have people and get opportunities, which is totally fine because that's a that's a that's a job. It's a lot of it's hard work, and that's why I don't want to do it. <laughs> I know people do it, and they get a lot of slack and they get a lot of negativity, and it's a lot of hard work, and they put up with a lot, and I can't even imagine it. But for those of us who maybe want to do maybe micro influencing or are just representing a brand that that themselves with their business or whatever, um, just be sure that you're trying to be as positive and honest as possible because i think we're at the point now where people are tired of the facade i think it's where influencing is and people who are a little bit more honest mm -hmm. get more followers i'm not saying be a you know reality show you don't have to do that but i think transparency is kind of a little bit <laughs> to your comfortability because i don't you know do what you gotta do but i think having good transparent have your rules have your your values ahead of time Know what you want to say, like you said, Chris, but know what you want to put out to the audience. Know your audience, your target audience, what you want to say, what your voice, your messaging, and your tone, and try to be as positive as possible while also being honest. So that would be my advice for anyone who wants to get into that. But just know it's hard. It's not easy. It looks easy. We've watched, <laughs> there's been documentaries. There have been TV shows that have written. There's, you know, it's, it's a joke. Like the, the influencer is a punchline a lot of the times. As someone who knows people who do this full time, this is their job. They do campaigns. They make you know six figures, seven figures. It's not easy. It is not easy work. It is not as glamorous as it looks behind the scenes. So just know going in, it's a hard job, just like any job. Amen to that. 
All right, so third question is, what trends do you think will be popular for product-based businesses in 2021? Wonderful question. Um, I think that, you know, we're a lot of us are still going to be at home. Like, even after I get vaccinated, like, I'm not planning to really go to many mm-hmm. places because of everything I said earlier. Um, so I think that home goods are still going to be a really big trend for products because a lot of us are still going to be at home and wanting our homes to be homey. And a lot of people, like, after spending more time at home and getting to do work from home for the first time, some people really like work from home and they have found ways to say, hey, boss, like, look at me. I'm just as productive at home. Can I stay home three days a week or can I do a flex schedule? So a lot of businesses are like bigger businesses are moving more to that. Um, And so I think that, you know, people are still going to really want to make their homes like cozy. So I think homes are like home goods are still going to be a big one. I think another product that will continue to be big is loungewear. Um, it reminds me of like when we were like teenagers and like early twenties and like, um, what was the brand name? Get Melissa about them. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I feel like it reminds me of that time when like that first like like wave of athleisure came around and we were all wearing those suits and like our butts said like juicy or cute or whatever. Um, and people held, held, held on to that trend strong, right? And that was when we were like late teens, early 20s. Well, now we're all like in our early 30s. And so a- another loungewear trend is coming and we're like, of course, we're like, let's, you know, jump on this. And of course, you see Gen Z being very into it because they dress super like they're from like the 90s with their oversized clothes and stuff so i feel like i and and gen x was you know doing things in the 90s they were the cool kids in the 90s so i definitely feel like this whole like loungewear a little bit more comfy clothes like comfort over anything else is going to continue to be in i think we're going to continue to see like matching sweatsuits um lots of you know uh tie-dye that sort of thing is going to be continuing to reign supreme for the rest of 2021 um i just think that we might see some of it like become a little like cuter like i think that like the um sweatshirts that like are a little bit like tighter, a little higher, show a little bit of the bellies. Cause that is the stuff that will transition like to outside of the house that people will be like, I'm going to wear it to the movies or things like that when they actually start going out and about. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that. And then I definitely think that like snail mail or anything that like is a good small personalized gift to send to someone else. So whether it be like cards and that sort of thing, or just like smaller gifts that are easy to send to other people, Um, I think that's going to continue to be a big thing because, again, like a lot of us aren't going to be traveling to see friends who don't live nearby. A lot of us are still going to stick to like drop offs, especially like if you have a larger friend group, like you might open up your circle to some of your friends, but not all of them. So if that's the case, like, you know, you still kind of want to have like little things to drop off towards friends and that sort of thing. So I I think that snail mail and all that will continue to be big for 2021 um, for products. Definitely agree with all of those things, especially um, I was looking for things like the tie dye loungewear is really big in kids wear as well right now, which is wild to me. Um, I I actually hate it. I 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 hate it.
Remind me of gym clothes. They remind oh, me man. of the matching gym sweats. To be honest, they don't look any more comfortable than I was in sixth grade having those sweat. Like, it's not for me. But more power to you. Because you guys look cute in them. Like, I'm so happy. Like, Amber looks always adorable in hers. I'm sure they're comfortable. I was just going to say, Amber <laughs> looks so good. And I'm always looking up where she got. Like, everything that she wears, I'm like, yes, where's this from? And it's always from their brand girlfriends. Always. And, and they have infiltrated my Instagram. But um, in terms of marketing, I think TikTok yep. marketing for products is going to continue to explode. If not just on TikTok's reels, like short video explanations of things. Um, Pinterest, if you've not seen the story feature on Pinterest, Pinterest has stories and that has been a really good way to market your products. Things that I have never really would have paid attention to or watched videos for or whatever have shown up now in a really interesting and fun way in terms of having influencers using them or the creator use it and explain how it's done where I'm like, oh, that product is really interesting. Like now I'm like, am I being sold to? But is the algorithms, are they working? Like, you know what I mean? So I think that has a lot to do with it. If you are a product-based right. business looking to doing more video. I mean, we've been saying that a lot, but I think now instead of like your face, not spokesperson e-videos, but actually like DIY with your hands in the product showing how it works or how to use it or like, you know what I mean? Like that's what mm -hmm. people are looking for because then they they see how easy it is and they're like, oh, I can set that up. Like the lights, LED lights are really big right now. I think mood lighting, a lot of home tech products, like you said, are really big. So if you can wholesale purchase things from, you know, other countries that have these things and they kind of sell them in your shop, you can probably make a killing. Like uh, I've seen a lot more people honestly sell sets of things. So, you know, products and then the the thing that complements them. So a lot of candle makers now are selling wick cutters. That makes sense because if you have never used a wick cutter, if you've never yep. seen one, the benefits for using it versus you you're, get more out of your candle. So it would make sense to me to buy a Kismet and Charisma candle and get a wick cutter from her because then I can just have the set or even like a. a... Funny you say that because I'm actually going to do a set with a wick cutter yeah. and a little candle exactly. putter outer come fall. I'm going to do it with the fall launch because it's like, mm -hmm. you know, that's when everybody gears up and gets a ton of candles. But I personally, for me, cause I was thinking about like, what do I love so much about candles? Why am I so obsessed with them? And I have like vintage ones from my grandparents and that's always part of the candle, fun for me yeah. is to put out the candle with the mm -hmm. little, it's so cute. Um, it's just like, boop. And then it goes right out. And it's just much easier yeah. too than you're like seeing, blowing no, and all that. I, no, I, I'm just like that's the, that's the thing. Like if you've never done it before, if you never experienced that, which a lot of people haven't, a lot of people's parents didn't have candles. Like I totally mm -hmm. get it. Well, candles were not always a mood for everyone. Like it kind of picked up more with the Bath and Body Works and whatever started making candles and, and Yankee. Yeah, and see, we're Catholic, or like growing up, we were Catholic. So yeah. my family like was Definitely. very into candles. Really, like it was know. a thing. In fact, I remember like being like going to the shrine as a kid and you would always ask your parent for a dollar so that you could go over to the place where there's like all the candles and then yeah. you put a little dollar in the bucket and then you get to light a candle. So like I'm talking like you're four years old and you're like, I want to light the candle. This is like yeah, very like strange, but it explains so much. You know, Catholicism <laughs> and Judaism is big and other Hinduism, really big candle <laughs> religions, but Protestant religions like mm -hmm. the candles aren't big till the holidays and even I feel like when I was growing up and uh, that's the home alone kind of thing of them holding that stupid fake candle you know what I mean like that was what it was you got that stupid one fake ugly electric candle that you had in choir and that's what kids saying like they do with all the angels with that candle so nobody tripped and 
which is safer because meanwhile, my, my Catholic mother was out here lighting candles, leaving it overnight it can, so that know, the marinate, prayer can like, marinate. I don't know, do extra overnight, yeah, marinate that prayer. And my brothers and I would be like, you can't, like, we would always wake up in the middle of the night, find candles going and be like, you cannot do this. Like, you can't leave this here. And she would leave the candle on the, like, we had a two-story when I was in high school. She would leave it on the lower story as if like, well, if there's a fire then like maybe we have a better chance of getting out her logic was wild (laughs) i'm like if you buy one of my candles do not leave it overnight honey don't do it was always going to continue to be a big thing so people are still going to be getting face masks especially as travel starts to open up in the fall and the winter people are going to look for things that are easily to package in their luggages and kind of be safe and sanitize the area yeah sanitize yeah any of that a lot of those pandemic things that we had, I think we'll, we'll have forever. Like now I think about the fact that like when I, cause I've had to stay in several Airbnbs and, and hotels going back and forth between Orlando and DC area during the pandemic. And it's been exhausting. And like, I get in and like basically do a full clean. Um, but now I'm like, why would I not do that? Like, I still think I'm going to do that because I don't trust hotel people to clean. I know them personally. So I think that's going to be something I continue to do. I just won't do it with like, like the same level of like fear and you know, whatever. Um, so, but I'm like, yeah. So I think that like portable cleaning supplies, things like that are going to still be big. I've always been big on it with an airplane, but I know a lot of people aren't. Um, a lot of times when I'm cleaning my airplane seat, like other people kind of look at me like, okay, like you're not Naomi Campbell, relax. Um, but now I think that that's going to probably, I'd assume that I haven't been, I haven't flown like, you know, since COVID started, but I assume everyone's doing it on planes now. And like a lot of people continue to do that. So yeah, I think those things are going to be big. I even think that we'll see people wearing masks during, um, pollen season and flu season. Mask from a cold dead hands from a group of people. That's more than thirty people. I don't know in the future. Like absolutely not. I'm not going outside with your yeah. people germs without a mask. Absolutely not. I don't care if I'm the only person. I'll, da- I'll Darth Vader. And I will say, <laughs> as a Florida girl, I'm gonna wear one when it's winter. Like not in Florida, but like out, you know, here. Like it's cold, so like when it's twenty thirty degrees, like you might just see me I'm in like, a mask I'm never going because because my face really is hard for me to go Disney without a mask. Absolutely not. Like a theme park, um, you guys are so gross. No, nah, fam. I just people are so gross. I'm just <laughs> the coughing and the sneezing during like food and wine. Just thinking about you having your little plate of food and you're like in line and you're trying to eat it and somebody literally sneezes next to you. Oh, fam, we can't. I feel like we need to make this a hard press, like, nah, like, <laughs> or a face shield at least. So that way, when you sneeze, you can see how gross it is when you sneeze out into the universe while you're trying to sneeze over someone's margarita at Mexico. Like, I just, <laughs> I'm so grossed out by people. That's so gross. Bad. So we'll move on to our topic. I think that was the last question, right? Okay. So today we're talking about yes. working mm-hmm. with people you don't like which is a very like it's a sensitive topic because some people have to you know what I mean depending on your situation you probably are having to interact with somebody who you may not agree with morally which is a really hard one when you you have kind of moral ideas especially when they're kind Mm -hmm. of inclusive of everyone you may work with somebody who doesn't feel that way or you may have a client that you find something out or you guys have a disagreement on something or the way you speak so it's just yeah it, it can come up in so many different ways 
yeah, there's a lot of different reasons you might not like them. And there's a lot of different working situations. So there's our situations where, you know, we own our own businesses, but there's people that work in more of a traditional office setting. You might be a partner in some sort of business where there's multiple people. Um, so, you know, depending on what your situation is, obviously there's different ways that you should go about it. So we're going to try to get into all of them. Um, so yeah, because the, the focus is like, how do you work? How do you deal with someone that you just can't stand, right? So I think the first thing is like figuring out what is it that you actually don't like about them? Is it like something that is a little bit surface level? Like maybe they're annoying, you think they're too loud, or you hate that they're always talking about sports or horoscopes or whatever it is you do or don't like. Um, is it something like that? Or is it something deeper? Like, you know, Angelica was just saying, is it a moral thing? Do they, did they vote for Trump? Um, you know, do they have really different morals than you? Do they make, um, you know, jokes that come across as insensitive? Um, you know, you have to really get to the why of why you don't like them and acknowledge those feelings either way. Like if it's something that is, more, you know, just kind of surface level? Or is this something deeper that like you really don't agree with who they are and who their values are as a person? I think it's really important to distinguish the two because, you know, those are two very, very different situations to be annoyed by someone versus this is a person who you just yeah. don't agree with I mean, like on any level. I feel like figure that out um, alone or with a third party outside of the situation that you're in so maybe a partner or a therapist because yeah, outside trying of work. to work these feelings out amongst co-workers or amongst partners in your your company if you have like a partner you may have a disagreement with and you go to the second one or if you have a client and you're working with and you go to one of the other people in the business it, it, that doesn't work so i will say uh, you know hot tip for that is to figure it out outside of the work situation or the situation that you're you know in and have a neutral third party to kind of discuss it with. So I really do recommend maybe a therapist would probably be the best person because a, a partner, depending on your relationship, because some people have partners who are really neutral and honest and some people have that, you know, ride or die. You write all the time partners like, no, they're wrong. Like, it doesn't matter. So you really want somebody or a friend who has a really good gauge on your personality, who's known you for a while and understands how you, you react and talk to things. And they can give you back feedback that's a little bit more neutral versus someone who would kind of be like, oh yeah, you're right. And they wrong. And then you're wrong. Yeah. I could not talk to John about it because John would be like, that person is wrong. And I'm going to, I'm going to send them to jail. Like there is illegal for them to upset you. Like, so he would not be helpful at all. Cause he would not be yeah, able so to be I, like, I biased. and I also feel like sometimes when we don't like somebody and the reason isn't, um, you know, if you have a suspicion that the reason might not be like all that deep, then the issue becomes if you do talk to a friend or a spouse or whatever about it and they're like, yeah, like it's not that deep. Like you're kind of, you know, like you don't like them valid, but it's just because like you don't like, you know, this small thing about them. And you might be in your feelings about that, right? Because you might be like, oh, well, you know, so that's why sometimes talking to a therapist is the best situation because it's like, it's easier to take that information sometimes from someone who is just truly biased and, you know, not a part of your friend life and that sort of thing. Not someone who you're expecting to like, quote unquote, be on your side all the time. Um, so yeah, that can be the benefit of talking to somebody who it's their job to kind of look at the entire situation. On the flip side, a lot of times when it's somebody who 
if it is a deeper reason, if it's something, if there's racial tensions going on, if it's a sexist situation, a lot of times these things happen over time, right? So it could be at first they spoke over you in a meeting, then they stole your idea, then they made an appropriate joke. So this could be something that's been going on for a while. And in those cases, sometimes having a friend outside of work or whatever, um, or a partner, like a lot of times we can tell them all those little things and then they'll start to see, sometimes they might even see it before us and realize, well, this is probably why you hate that person because they did this to you, said this to you that happened in the meeting one time. Um, but yeah, so just make sure you're, you're seeking out the right person for what your situation is because, yeah, you don't, like Angelica said, nobody at work, basically. You don't want to handle this with uh, somebody at work. It needs to be a third party that's when I, outside I mean, of uh, the situation. You know, and this is like a uh, topic, and a lot of people say, go to HR. Let me tell you something about HR <laughs> from someone who's worked in HR. Uh, human resources is always there to protect the needs of the company at the end of the day. I am not saying that it is not your responsibility to report behavior that's harmful or aggressive or terrible. However, at the point when you want to open up a claim against another coworker or manager or someone else in the company, be aware that A, the company may not agree with you and side with that individual. B, the company may use that as a, a situation to terminate you. Whether or not it'd be fairly, it doesn't. Like, I think corporate America, I think at this point we should be aware, especially if you're a young baby youth, you just graduated from college, you're not sure. It, human resources is always on the side of the company. So they feel like you're causing trouble, which happens a lot, unfortunately. They will fire you. Like it doesn't, especially when you're in an at-will state. And so this is why it's important to talk to your legislation right now because they're trying to reverse a lot of those at-will states right now from having that protection to fire people unjustly. So just be aware. <laughs> you're going to report someone to HR. Mm-hmm. Just know it, become, it can become a thing and be well-documented and have yeah. physical written proof of something that you've seen or heard and be, and be aware that that person is definitely going to come for you too. They're going to go to your, your social media at that point. Everything is open and fair game when you work for a company that is not your own. So just putting that out there. Yeah. So the second thing would be to figure out how to limit time with them if possible. Um, So, you know, for us, like we, work, we choose who we work with. So nine times out of 10, we're probably not going to choose somebody who we don't want to work with. Um, But it can definitely happen. And a really great example is when I used to photograph family sessions all the time. Um, Sometimes I would speak to one person on the phone and they were lovely. And then you get to the shoot and not everybody at the shoot is lovely. Um, And if you have, if you're a photographer, you probably know exactly who's not lovely in this situation. Um, And so in these situations, sometimes you're just like, oh, I want to not be doing this. Right. So obviously you don't just like not do your job, like do your job, but, you know, prioritize it and say like, okay, how do I work on this project and, and get what I need from this project, do the best with it. And that way I'm able to move on with whatever's next. Same thing. If you're working on a website with someone, which is another thing that has happened to me where I've worked with somebody on a website, one, only one person, one client, all my clients was bad, just one, but they were terrible. Um, just straight up, like being honest with you, it was not a lovely experience. And honestly, I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? And what I did was I really prioritized it. That was something that I worked on a lot to be done faster. The client was happy. I did not enjoy the situation, but I was able to still make the client happy and get out of the situation faster. 
Um, again, when you own a business, there's really no one else unless you can hire somebody else, which that's, that is an option. If you're like, I really dislike this person, depending on what it is that you do, you might be able to hire and outsource some of that as well. Um, but if you have like a coworker, if you have a partner, if you own a business and you're a part, you know, you have a partner or you have partners in your business, um, you can talk once you've again, identified what it is that you don't like about them. Um, if there's, you know, real reason behind this, um, then you can talk to your partner, your coworker, whoever, and figure out if there's a way that you can limit your contact with that person um, and, and not have to work with them as often and, you know, rearrange that work in whatever way makes it easier for you and the rest of the people you're yeah. working with. I mean, oh boy. <laughs> like so, so. Has that happened with you and, I'm like, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I also so want to be like, has that happened with you and so David? I feel like early on, you know, we would just, you know, heads down, just deal with it, move on, limit communication with the person, obviously. Um, I feel like clients that I don't have things that have, I will, so for transparency, things that, that I may have gotten into with the client about or somebody that, that rubbed me the wrong way is um, if anyone has ever texted with me, emailed me, written communication style, I, it's very little emojis and very little exclamation points. I'm, I just, that's just who I am. I, I really am not going to apologize for it. I had a client who wants to accuse me of being rude because I wasn't friendly or have a friendly tone via email. For what? I don't. I, so I guess because she, you can guess something. You can you can make some assumptions of what type of businesses are. You probably are spot on. Uh, want it to be handheld, want it to be coddled, want it to be uplifted in a way that that's not what we do at our company. We help you make money <laughs> at the end of the day we create a product that's good we want you to do the best you can and we want you to make the money you can i think she wanted uh, like kind of like a bestie she wanted to be like i work with these type of people so i'm looking at me i'm a good person i have a black owned company working with me on my website um I, i'm not like i'm not oprah and gail like you know what i mean like i'm not your girlfriend like i'm not here to to hold hands with you and lead you to the website at the end of the day there are people that i know who do and they're fantastic at their jobs and they do a good job of doing that. I, that's not my personality. It never has been. I'm about results. I'm about accessibility and building things that work very well to making sure that you make the money that you need to make and that we're on an okay accordance. And that's why we are able to work in so many industries that other people I know who do do that handholding work would never work in. They're not going to work in trucking. They're not going to work in construction. <laughs> they're not going to work in transportation because when you go sit down with a guy, a group of six guys in transportation, they don't care about your handholding. Like they just don't. They, they want, they don't care about going to a beach retreat. They want to know how accessible and how fast the site loads. So we typically lean a little bit more corporate. We obviously can work with people who are, are smaller, who do need a little bit of handholding because we can, but we, we do it with like, you know, I feel like love, but like a kind of like a grandma. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be real with you. I'm not going to be kind. And her product, honestly, wasn't that great, to be honest with you. I would never use it. And I don't know anybody who did. She, she had a lot of notoriety personally in an industry where I know a lot of people personally who go to those events that she was at, every one of them said the product was terrible. So <laughs> despite that, we, we worked on it and that was kind of her accusation. And so we kind of got to the point where the project was over. We looked at the site, I think two days, two weeks ago, the site's still up and she's still using the site that we built. So it wasn't a bad product. At the end of the day, the product was good. Like that's, and that's what mm -hmm. we do. Like the people who have a problem with us can get angry about the way we communicate or get angry about, semantics or little things or whatever like because that's their personality and that's their preference that's the way they want to be talked to but at the end of the day we build good products we design good product we design branding that lasts for decades like our clients who are our first clients are still our clients today because 
they understand how we work. We've had no issues. We've gone through different phases of products, branded so many things, building like they, so much of our work is everywhere. And so it's like, it, we're, I'm so sorry, we work. If we don't work for you, that's fine. We're not for you. We're not a good fit for a lot of people. And that's okay. That money's not for me. And it's for somebody else. And mm-hmm. I refer them to somebody else I know nine times out of 10. I'm like, hey, we're not a good fit for you. But go work with Melissa, my friend, or go work with this person. I'll work with this person. I'll work with that person because I understand I have many people. That's why I want friends in my industry so I can be able to refer people with personality types. And most of the time I'm right. Nine times out of 10, I can find a good friend who fits that client on that first phone call. But yeah, we definitely, I think that probably was one that was so, the personalities didn't fit. And so she got so upset with it that she felt like she needed to voice that she did like I was like I was mean to her I was I was a bully so that's probably one of the things but for the most part if someone is is just a terrible person yeah I just we like we hang up the phone <laughs> just we, we, we can't, can't if you have the yeah. money to cancel that's, a project you know. terminate a project terminate with and one thing that we do is terminate with love if it's nothing that's terrible like if you're not like a white supremacist we just don't get along we don't see eye to eye I will terminate the project and send you over to somebody else. I will give you three to four referrals for you to work with. If you're not a terrible person, if you're a terrible person, I will terminate the project and just let you find someone else. I would never refer a terrible person to my friend, but if you're not a good fit for us and you are a good project for somebody else, I obviously would terminate the project and say, Hey, our style is not what you need or you move. Maybe they're moving too slow and we're too busy. That's a lot. That happens a lot of times too. So we'll just move it on. So I think, yeah, I think once you find Mm -hmm. what works for you and have your values and stick to them, I will never say demoralize your values from unless you, I mean, unless you absolutely have to, you know, ask for forgiveness later to your deity of choice. But (laughs) like, if you are doing okay, you, you have the choice. Don't do something that does not align with your values. If someone is being rude to you or treating you terribly or talking down to you, you don't have to work with that person. Let them go. Let them, you don't need that money that bad. Like I promise you something else will happen. Nine out of 10 when we cancel a project like that, even if it's something where we're like, oh, that money would have been nice. Something else comes up like in 48 hours. That's more than that amount. So it just get with your, you know, get with your stars aligned, your juju, find the spiritual practice of your choice to help you kind of find a better alignment with your fit in terms of your business. But if you're in a business situation, like you're an employee, limit your time, limit your communication, write everything down. Don't ever have a phone call with somebody you don't like. Don't be in a room by yourself with somebody you do not like. Don't do it because you're setting yourself up to be put in a situation that's going to end poorly always have someone else there if you have to be in a meeting type situation your phone call have someone else on the phone with you don't ever have a one-on-one with somebody who's not your direct report and even if it's your direct report to the point where it's the point where it's like they're like a white supremacist or something like something crazy like very homophobic very xenophobic you need to then you get on hr and you say hey i'm just letting you know i'm not taking another meeting by myself with that because i feel uncomfortable or i feel unsafe and make sure you document and this is something i actually learned from my mom very long in her her career corporate america is that she would write down dates she would write down times she would write down where it happened if she had email she would print them out she would staple it and send it to hr (laughs) be like hey this is why you won't see me in a meeting with this person anymore and it worked like not she really didn't have a lot of pushback when she did that because she had a really good uh documentation system now so that's why i always 
uh, reply to things in emails. A lot of times I don't take phone calls from clients because I don't want you to misconstrue something I'm saying. I want you to have a written understanding. Or if you have a phone call, something that Jessica Lee always says is, write, send an email, a follow-up with the stuff that you've talked about. She says it all yep. the time. I feel like she, she, she talks about Every it. Time. Like, I feel like anytime she has to give advice, that's always been her advice. Uh, Francesca Ramsey, uh, 100% my process too. After a phone call, after a meeting, hang up the phone and then send meeting notes in a written format. I don't, I honestly, it's wild to me that people don't do that because for me, I'm not going to, like, I have to do that to remember, you know, make sure everything is organized and everything is, you know what I mean? Cause it's like a, a phone call can become so casual. So to me, it's like, it's just, it's a guarantee that afterwards you're going to hear and you're going to get an email from me. Like, and then I want that email back with that confirmation. Like, yes, everything is good here. Um, because yeah, if not, it's just like, people will be like, Oh, well you said this or like, I didn't understand. It's just not, it's a no, it's a no for me. <laughs> like it has to be written down. And I love talking on the phone to people because I really think that, I do a lot of my best work, like being able to talk to someone because it is more casual, um, especially when I was doing branding work. I think that I'd really get to like the core of like the who and the why with a certain person or certain brand on the phone. But then you follow that up with an email that says the specifics because it's just not, I haven't, I haven't had bad situations with that, but I've heard horror stories. So it's just like, I want to be safe and always yeah. follow up with an email. Cause that, oof. and I, I would say like, I feel like because we are both visibly black, like people don't hire us if they are racist, which is a plus. Um, so that's, that's people a wonderful thing. Um, obviously if you were they hire us when they're homophobic. They hire us when they're yeah. misogynist, mm -hmm. which is wild because we're women. So there's like there's a good chance that like yeah, there's a good chance that like you might not, um, you know, depending on what you are, you might not deal with somebody that is necessarily if you own your own business you might not deal with somebody who's directly opposed to that but if you work in a situation where there's multiple people and and you haven't be you're not seen yet then that can obviously happen obviously if you work at like a larger company um then that can definitely happen um anything that that makes you not a straight white cisgendered male um can basically put you in an awkward place at work in America unfortunately that's just really the truth of it. And like you said, like people who are misogynistic will still hire us. And that is 100% true. The client I was talking about that I didn't like was very, very misogynistic and he was a white man and working yeah. with him was absolutely terrible. Um, and I didn't have anyone else to, uh, really pass the project off to. So it got to a point where all of our communication was email because I was like, I cannot take your jokes and your talking about boobs and all of this nonsense. So it was just like everything was email because a lot of times people like the things that they will say to you in a meeting or in a, you know, casual setting or whatever, even if it's not casual, like it's like, hello, we're in a meeting, but things that people say on the phone or in person are different than what they'll say in email. Um, and so really that, that cut out pretty much all of it right there, emailing. Um, like I was like, oh, we're not going to be like, we're not having these conversations on the phone anymore. And he didn't say yeah. not one ridiculous thing in email. So that, cause they're, they're not stupid. They know like you can print that email out. You can keep that email. 
Um, why, why they would hire a woman if, you know, they don't like to respect women, I will never know. Yeah. I mean, I've had um, people, but people are I, like I that. Like I've people talked about podcasts weird. before, but we, especially early on, when we were so cute and innocent, we would go meet people for every intro meeting. Like, we would go to Panera and Starbucks and yeah, I remember with those 90% white dudes about the projects, and they would always go shake David's hand and they would never shake my hand or they would never talk to me. I was sitting at the table just like, well, okay, whatever. The money goes in the same account. So it doesn't really matter to me at that point. You know, you do what you want to do. Right. You know, you're still paying what it is, but that's how people are. Like I can't control. And even, I won't even say just men, but women have a lot of internalized misogyny. So women say a lot of things, especially in business setting, because business seems to be, a little bit more male dominated that it sounds better to say things that are downputting or off-putting about women when like well, we, i have like a lot of women in, in bigger companies or larger companies or higher roles that that kind of internalize my misogyny being like huh, huh, women right periods right they're so dumb you know that type of stuff and i'm always like ah no that's awkward yikes please never say that again <laughs> you know what i mean i'm like i don't know i think one of my my backgrounds right now is like really feminist like um i think on teams it's really like yes she can it was from apartment therapy just so people if i have to do video they know like i'm not it's it's pro women all day in my <laughs> in my situation so yep it's like oh you don't like girls can't relate sorry um don't know what to tell you like i had no complaints on women like sorry about it i prefer to work with women to be quite honest or non-binary people um and i will say that after that particular client i i was like i'm never going to work with white men again and then one of my friends pointed out like that's discrimination so i was like true that's that's probably not (laughs) can't do that um but definitely you know made me think twice about my screening process because yeah, it's definitely, it's not, it's not fun when you're the only one and you really can't pass them on to anyone else. Um, but you just, you know, you have to find a safe way to deal. And obviously had it had gotten more out of hand then, and, and if the just emailing only didn't work, um, then that would have been a situation where I would have just, you know, kind of like you said, sometimes you just have to terminate the contract. It's not the best thing for you it's not a healthy safe situation to be in um and when you sometimes you have to make that call so um so step three would be to find common ground and remember it when you have to work together so again this is more for a situation where maybe you you know just find the person a little bit annoying um you know maybe you have some differences of opinions but they're not on major things like human rights (laughs) so in those cases you can find common ground and find something that's like oh maybe this person oh they drive me nuts but you know we do have this thing that you know we're both into we're both passionate about maybe you just both love the work you love the work that you do um so focus on that work when you're together and kind of just try to leave the rest you know out of it basically money is kind of (laughs) i feel like at the end of the day most of the time the financial goal at the end is kind of the game that kind of ties the bonds of people together in business so you know they know that there's money to be made on this product or this project or at this company at the end of the day, it's kind of like, hey, we just want to do the best work we can and keep our heads down and move forward. You don't have to go to a salad bar with this person. You don't have to like go to baby shower. You don't have to invite them out for socialization. I think a lot of people new to entrepreneurship 
don't really understand that. Like, cause it is nice to have clients who are your friends and be friends with your client. That is a hundred percent a fun thing. I love working with friends all the time. I don't see anything wrong with it. I have no issues with working with some of my friends because they're amazing people. And I've had made friends from some of my clients, vice versa. However, like not all clients are supposed to be friends and I'm not inviting like some other people out to like hang out and have breakfast or whatever. A lot of my clients are at my baby shower. Like, you know what I mean? So it just depends on what your situation is and just say, hey, this is the business, the project, the the product is what we're working on right now. And that's what we're going to do. And we keep it at that. And at the end of the day, when that's over, you know, have a nice life. If you need a review on the work, I'll review you or LinkedIn or whatever. High five. But people aren't entitled to your time and space just because you share a common theme of working on something together. Mm-hmm. Amen to that, that, that right there. Like they are not entitled to it. And I think, yeah, that is a big thing that there is, you know, more of like a push for like every single person to and be best friends with every it's single only person. For, let me tell and you, I know in that, male dominated markets in marketing and yep. entrepreneurship, that's more marketed towards men. You do not see that you, it's not there in conferences when male speakers are there, they're not talking about being girl boss besties. Like that doesn't, happen it's really only women are expected to be best friends with their clients in service-based industries and that is an asinine request to me because it won't be the case a lot of the time and i feel like you know in some cases it's just like a time situation where it's like you you know if you're like you know you own a business and you're a mom and maybe you're caring for an aging parent or whatever else. It's like, you might not have time to like, after you've worked with a client to then go out and like meet them for mimosas or whatever. Like, it's just not the case for everybody. And again, like some people you really do hit it off with. And a lot of my clients have become friends and a lot of them haven't. And same thing for, you know, contractors I've worked with. Some people that are contractors I've worked with, like one of my contractors is my best, one of my best friends and I work with her all the time. And there's other people that aren't, but they are amazing at what they do. And I need someone to do that job. So I hire them and, you know, like we're nice to each other. We don't dislike each other. It's not, it's not that at all, but it's just simply like, we're not best friends. And I think that I feel like just in everything, like anytime women aren't best friends with every single person or they don't treat every person they know like a best friend, it's yeah. like people act like it's the end of the world. Even if they're treating them completely nice and you know what I mean? But it's just like, they're like, oh my gosh, you guys aren't best friends. It's so tragic. So yeah, that's, that is one of my pet peeves. Um, all right. So step four is remember your why. So just remembering your why of why you do what you do. I think anytime when you're faced with adversity, you're faced with difficult situations, um, and it involves your work or your business or your job, um, remembering why you do what you do is so important. That why um, is probably partially financially motivated, right? You do what you do so that you can, you know, unfortunately, we live in a capitalistic society, like you've got to eat food and have a place to live. Like, I will never pretend that those aren't driving reasons for why I work, right? Like I have to pay my bills. I have to take care of myself. So that's a part of your why. Um, And then also like your mission, you know, like for me, like my nonprofit is important to me. The type of work that we do is important to me. Um, With Kismet and Charisma, it's really important to me to hear from those customers and hear that, you know, they're enjoying my candles in their home and that they're, you know, finding those moments to just 
take a moment of peace and 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 be calm and be happy. Those are my why. And so if I'm dealing with a difficult person, different situation, I'm going to go back to those whys all the time. So I think it's just so important. It doesn't matter what your job is. It could be anything. You have to remember what your why is and why it's important, you know, that you do that thing and what you do. Like, for example, if you're a server, right, it could be like, well, A, I want to get paid and I want to get these tips. And then B, it could be when I have a really, really great customer, like I love making them laugh and seeing them have a good time, especially when they're out with their family. And that's something like post-pandemic, you know, that I feel like it's going to hit really like a lot harder, right? Like my family and I, like we have not been to a restaurant yet, but it's something that we talk about. Like we're like one day we're going to go to a restaurant and we're so excited about like when it will actually happen, when it is safe. Um, And just to be able to be together as a family and whoever that server is, I can tell you, we're going to tip the heck out of them. We're just going to be so excited to be out of the house and be so excited that they are helping us have that experience together as a family. So it doesn't matter what your job is, there can be a really big and important why attached to it. And it's just really good to have that in your back pocket to circle back to when you're dealing with, you know, someone yeah, who's I mean, difficult. I don't have anything to disagree with that. I think that pretty much is the only thing that gets you through your day is kind of having your why. Um, some things you can do obviously is set your phone wallpaper to a monitor that reminds you your desktop wallpaper have a print in your in your office space where you work in your bedroom, so that way you can remember. In your cubicle, if you're at work, put some type of reminder somewhere so that when you have those difficult situations, you can take a step back, look at this thing, and it reminds you why you're dealing with the the BS that you're dealing with. Because it humans are so complicated, we will never agree with every single person on everything. It would be boring if we were that way. To be honest, it is kind of a, a trial and testament to who you are and giving you growth as a character. I'm not saying we need to have adversity to be good people because that ain't what I mean. But I do feel that people are a little bit more well-rounded and open to learning and listening when they are wrong, when they interact with people who they disagree with. And you kind of have a better understanding and you're better in business for it because to be honest, it's easy to come up with some money and have an idea and you're a little bit, it's easier for you to sell why your idea is a little bit better or to kind of, you know, debate that something a little bit back and forth. If it's not super negative, of course, we're not talking about human rights or anything like that. Like it's a no go on being uh, ableist or ageist or anything, you know, those isms, it's a no go. But if somebody likes the color lime green on their website and you think it's silly, it's okay to have a back and forth a little bit. That's respectful about why you wouldn't put lime green on a website and, and use good points. So sometimes it's a kind of a necessary evil, but avoid it for the most part. We don't need any more struggle. We live in 2021. 2020 was enough. Like right. try to find as much peace in your life as possible. Um, and, and try to avoid people who don't bring you peace really at the end of the day. So. Amen to that. Like, whew, if it doesn't bring you joy, just kind of get through it as quick as possible Take and get on to the things that bring you joy. It's okay? like reward yourself. I think so. maybe reward yourself after you're done with that thing that was terrible to be like, hey, we did it. We got yes. through it. We didn't yeah. break down. We didn't fall apart. It made me money. And now I'm moving on with my life. Like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. 
So if you've made it to the end of the episode, make sure that you're following us on Facebook at Heart Hustle Podcast, on Twitter at Heart Hustle Pod, and especially on Instagram at Heart Hustle Podcast and using the hashtag Boss So Hard to show us the things that you're up to so that we can follow along and, you know, yep. see what you're working so on in your world. See you guys next week. I hope you have a good week. Uh, enjoy your spring. Spring starts on Saturday. So feel free to show us what you've been working on and we'll see you guys next week. Have a good week. Get vaccinated if you can.